Welcome to the Chase MedSearch Podcast, the place where we dive deep into the medical device sales industry by discussing the current trends, timeless philosophies, and amazing experiences that shape our niche of the industry. Join me, Jordan Chase, on a guided tour as I speak with established sales leaders and professionals as they share stories that will help you get in, stay in, and thrive in your medical device sales career. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the Chase Med Search Podcast. As I continue to say, we're hitting a rhythm here in 2024. It feels great. Getting great feedback from the audience on topics. Always welcome new topic suggestions. I incorporate a lot of things that I hear in business, just a normal course of work. And one of the things that I hear quite a bit about is a hiring process that one of my clients uses to great success. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, you are using something called the predictive index or PI to hire individuals in your organization. And I would love to know who the individual is that you work with. And I was referred to the fabulous, and I'm using exactly the nomenclature they did, the fabulous Melanie Wood. Melanie Wood is PI Midlandic's MVP, two years running. She's a certified behavioral specialist and a 14-year strategy consultant and trainer who ensures companies elevate their hiring capabilities and grow dynamic teams. Through deeper behavioral understanding and coached adaptation, Melanie helps management teams build engagement and maximize performance. As an advisor to C-level executives, Melanie has a keen understanding of the strategic needs of businesses and the avenues necessary to achieve their desired success. Utilizing her experience in industrial and organizational psychology, Melanie helps organizations globally of all sizes develop their teams from hire to retire. Welcome to the Chase MedSearch Podcast, Melanie. Thank you so much. Appreciate being here. Absolutely. Tell us just a little bit about your career and how you got started with PI Midlantic. Certainly. I was actually a regional sales manager for several years. And my father, who was actually a PI user, he was a COO for an organization, lived and breathed Predictive Index, truly believed if you were a leader of people, this was a tool you needed to know because he felt you should never lead people the way you want to lead, but instead you should lead people the way they want to be led. He also happened to believe anyone who wanted to date his 16-year-old daughter needed to take this assessment. <laughs> so even somehow after that pain, when he chose to retire, he called me and said, let's go into business together and let's bring this tool on. So thus began my career in 2008 with him and Predictive Index with PI Midlantic. That's fantastic. And as the father of a 16-year-old daughter, I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for the suggestion. How long has PI been around? PI Midlantic and PI, just Predictive Index in general. Sure, absolutely. So Predictive Index, which is the tool that PI Midlantic uses, we happen to be the largest licensee in the world. But Predictive Index has been around since 1955. Our founder, Arnold Daniels, was actually in the military at the time he was chosen to take part in a study with scientists and IO psychologists to find what was the behavioral makeup of fighter pilots. And he was so fascinated with the outcomes, he chose to take this into the business world. So he opened Predictive Index in 1955, and PI Midlantic was one of the first licensees started in 1985. That's fantastic. 
How many clients roughly does PI Midlantic service and in what industries? I know you're in the medical device industry because at least one client of mine who's done a fantastic job hiring people uses them, but who else do you serve? Yes, we actually ended the year at 645 clients. And pretty much I tell people if a company has employees, they can use PI Midlantic. It's really about anyone who is an employee at an organization, whether it's an organization with 20 people or 20,000 people. And I happen to work with companies everywhere from med device, pharma, aesthetics, cosmetic surgery, over to law firms, industrial space, pretty much anything you can think of. I happen to have 57 clients around the world, so I'm lucky enough to get to go to Ireland and Australia. Really, really blessed to do what I do. That sounds fabulous. PI stands for predictive index, as we mentioned. Give us kind of a shorthand definition of what a predictive index is. Certainly. So predictive index is actually the company. The tool that the companies use is called a behavioral assessment. So we call it the PIBA. So the behavioral assessment is really what the tool uses, but predictive index was really built to better the lives of employees. And thus, when the employees' lives are better, companies have greater success. So predictive index was founded really with the idea of how do we identify what are the behavioral demands of jobs and how will employees fit within that scope? And maybe if there are some gaps, how can we manage and lead to those differences to truly set people up for success? Interesting. So the predictive index, I think that you're referring to, is most likely that behavioral assessment. Mm -hmm. And that is understanding how do we tick? What comes most naturally to us? Mm, Interesting. Your employer is in the talent optimization business. And a quick perusal of your website would show hiring, management, talent strategy, and employee engagement are all areas. And they're all interrelated, of course. And each one of them is worthy of its own podcast segment. But I want to focus on hiring for our discussion today. But before we do that, your website talks about four forces that destroy employee engagement at work. Mm. Can you give us a brief sketch of those? Sure. So when we talk about kind of the factors that can cause disengagement, the first we talk about is job fit. So a little bit of what I mentioned prior is how do we understand 60 to 70% of the time, what are going to be the behavioral pulls of that position? And really, the idea comes down to if we are asked to exert unnecessary behavioral energy, so if I'm someone who is heads down, task focused naturally, and yet you're putting me in a job that all day, it's kissing babies, shaking hands, doing the kumbaya, that is going to drain you by the end of the day. So job fit is one area of disengagement. Then we go to the manager. You know, Obviously, everyone's heard that term of people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. And we agree. So really, we talk about HR can bring you the best employees. But if a manager is not playing to the motivating needs, what each employee needs, how do we find those moments? Maybe a top performer eh, who started slacking off. How do we relight that pilot light? So the manager, if you are not making the adaptations to an employee, And a manager sometimes stop paying attention to the top performers because, hey, we think they got it, but they're the first people who are being recruited out. So managers can cause disengagement. Then the third is really team dynamics and culture. So we help companies look at what's the current makeup of your culture? What's the current makeup of your team? Who would be a good fit? Or maybe do we need a little DEI and maybe break up kind of what we're used to having? And instead of maybe the potential of groupthink, 
Should we be expanding outside what we're used to, what we're comfortable with, but then giving people the tools in order to do that and embrace those differences? And then finally, of course, it comes down to the organization. So do I have the right people? Do I have the right seats? Do I have the right managers? And is my company willing to do something about it? So when an employee can truly feel that a company or an organization invests in their employees as much as they do into their profit, that's when we have the highest level of engagement. Mm. It sounds almost seamless the way you describe it here. And it's all leveraged off the initial assessment when someone is hired. Is that right? Or are there subsequent assessments that someone would take? They're hired and then there would be another assessment, you know, to help them understand that their or their manager understand who they've just brought in the organization. How does that work? Sure. So it, I mean, it, it does sound seamless. And when it's done right, it actually is. And it starts with, of course, that behavioral assessment of who are our current existing employees and who are the candidates we're bringing in. But as you said, if we're focusing really on the hiring side, there's first a job assessment. And the job assessment is completed by our top performers at the company. So if I were to go into a new client, I would say, who are your two or three top performers in the role you're looking to hire for? They take what's called a job assessment. It's a 10-minute assessment, and it breaks down the behavioral demands of the job. So they're going through and selecting what are the job duties that are must-haves, not nice-to-haves, but must-haves, 60 to 70% of their day. We also have the hiring manager take the assessment. And afterwards, we have what's called a stakeholder meeting. So we look at the results of all those who took the assessment. We come to an agreement. We read what's called a job report that identifies at that high level, what are we looking for? From there, we do a fit gap analysis. So that behavioral assessment and the job assessment are laid on top of each other. And the teams then get an interview guide, which speaks to the behavioral gaps between the demands of the job and who the candidate are. So they're basically giving them kind of a guideline of what are some potential areas of behavioral disalignment and what questions should we ask to see maybe they don't behaviorally fit, but for the last 10 years, they've learned to refine those skills. They've learned to live with those skills. They've put in great ways to overcome those differences and learn to embrace it. So those are the types of things that we do from the offset. Interesting. I know some organizations, at least in medical devices, can use assessments as a rule-in, rule-out tool, mm -hmm. hard and fast. Mm -hmm. Here's the norm, and uh, here's what our top performers look like. And if you're not in that category, you are <laughs> not going to go here. Is that a recommended course of action with your assessment as well? Absolutely not. In our world, we teach what's called head-heart briefcase, that you know what people bring to the table, what we say is in their briefcase. So their knowledge, skills, and experience, or their knowledge, skills, and ability. This tells us what is the package they're coming with? Who do they know? What are the dynamics? What are the relationships? Obviously, in med device, that's very important. So do they have the relationships with the docs? Are they coming with, we'll call it a book of business, and that experience of knowing the staff? Mm -hmm. That is highly important in a role. So we look at what's in the briefcase. We also then go to the heart, which is values and culture. We make sure, do they align with the culture of the organization? Obviously, in the hiring side, we can't ask someone if they're a single father, but we can certainly say part of what we have to do is answer calls after eight o'clock. We have to do evening meetings. We can establish what the demands of the culture are and ensure that candidate is comfortable within those expectations and learning a bit about their values. And then finally, we go to the head, which is where we come in, which is the behavioral assessment and also something that we call the cognitive assessment. 
these stay stable over time. So it gives us another piece of the puzzle. We should never, we always recommend never making a hiring decision just either purely on a resume. And of course, you know, the running joke there is people have gotten very good at fabricating resumes. (laughs) And especially in this industry, everyone Mm -hmm. knows everyone. So everyone's willing to say what needs to be said. So we obviously don't want to only look at resume, but it then comes down to not what we call hire, don't hire, but it's investigate the differences and the gaps, identify maybe we're actually looking for someone different. Kind of to your point, if I have those top performers, I have those people that maybe what we call a persuader in the world of sales, that they tend to be pretty good at sales. But we don't want to have a cookie cutter sales organization because we're going to have docs who don't think that way, who find those people use car salesmen. So we need to use it as a baseline of what's expected and then identify what's the culture need, what's the territory they're going into, and use it as a piece of the puzzle. That's great. Take us just a little bit behind the curtain with the science, because you know interviewing is inherently, I always say this, one of the most subjective, yet one of the most important business processes that we all engage in. And obviously, PI Mid-Atlantic is bringing science to the decision-making process. And I love this tagline you guys have, and until you've determined what you're looking for in a candidate, don't post your job ad. Otherwise, your hiring team is shooting in the dark. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Tell us just a little bit of the science that goes in here, if you can. Absolutely. So obviously, can't give away too much, but I can <laughs> I tell- understand some of it's proprietary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'll tell you basically what the science team is comfortable sharing is we utilize what's called item test correlation. So it's taking word clusters. It's ways that we describe ourselves, ways that we describe the way we perceive the need to be in our environment. And we put those together to identify basically two core things. One, who are you at your core? In best case scenario, how do you want things? When you wake up in the morning and you're not worried about what people think of you, what comes most naturally? So that's one element of what we look at. Then we also look at what we call our self-concept, which is how we perceive the need to change or adapt to our current environment. So it tells us in basically a three to five month snapshot, what's the skin this person feels they need to live in? And what are those adaptations that we're looking for? So from a scientific standpoint, we take that item test correlation word clusters to better understand who are you at your core? What are the adaptations you're making? What might be draining you in that new role? And then applying that to when you get to us, how can I play to what comes most naturally? Because of course, people ask the question all the time, well, Melanie, if I took it 10 years ago, might I be different now? And the concept behind that is you are who you are at your core. The scientists say from the time you are 12 to 15 years old, Hmm. some say it even goes as low that you have established who you are at age eight. So my point to this is we are who we are, but through mentorship, through coaching, through maybe even watching people we're like and don't want to be like, that we make shifts in who we are. So we can embody a new persona of who we've taught ourselves to be. But when we're stressed, when we're tired, when we're frustrated, that natural self comes out. So we always want to know what's at your core. If I give you what you need, I get what I need faster and we both win. Hmm. Interesting. It sounds like you're getting at identity issues in some ways who this person is at their core. It can be. And and you can find some people who at first glance, let's say they look at their results and it says someone who 
can tend to get in the weeds. We'll, we'll just, I'll paraphrase of someone who can get in the weeds. And maybe somebody's really tried throughout their career to try to be bigger picture. And they read this and say, well, I don't get stuck in the weeds. Or conversely, if it says someone who is a free thinker and rules can be suggestions. Sometimes people immediately look and think, oh, I don't want my employer knowing that. I, I'm really diligent at rules. But once we really sit down and explain that someone who potentially, if on a high level says get in the weeds, it means that you're diligent in informing information before you start something. You appreciate all the details up front and then you can be flexible. You want all the specifics up front and then you are better at the big picture. And they always turn and say, well, that's true. Hmm. And for those people who it's the big picture, I say, well, rules can be suggestions, meaning if you look at something and you don't believe in the rule, you are comfortable finding a way around it and then justifying it. But if it's a rule you believe in and it's a rule that I have sold you on, you will hold people to it, to which they turn and say, absolutely. So it's really about learning to have people grow through self-awareness and realize we don't need you to change who you are. It's about appreciating, adapting where necessary, and really kind of enhancing your potential EQ or EI by understanding who others are, but most importantly, starting with self-awareness. Hmm. What's nice about this is there's really no cheat code to this assessment. I've given people advice in the past when they've taken assessments, I said, just be yourself, mm -hmm. just, just answer honestly. This isn't, in, at least in the clients I work with, the assessments they use, it's not a rule in, rule out tool, mm -hmm. but just answer honestly so that you give them a true picture of who you are. If you start to shade it and try to answer it the way you think they will want you to, mm -hmm. that'll lead you into trouble. I couldn't agree more. I tell people all the time, I actually get really upset when I have Googled something that says how to take the predictive index or how to take any of these assessments. And I think that is the worst thing that you can do. Especially, I read one that said, always say proactive or sense of urgency. And I thought, if I'm hiring for a role that I need someone to be methodical and process-driven, that's the last thing I want them to pick if it's not real. Mm. So you could not be more correct in the way that we advise. The best way you can go into this, and the great thing about Predictive Index is it's five to seven minutes. It is truly the easiest assessment you'll ever take, and it's quite frightening how accurate it is. And I always joke with those profiles who take time to connect and take time to trust. They are so unnerved of how much a stranger knows about them in five minutes. <laughs> but the reality is exactly that. The best thing you can do, especially with any of the PI Mid-Atlantic clients, because we preach the fact that this is not put someone in a box. This should never be a tool that tells you what someone can or can't do because we all have free will. It just tells us when we are doing that job, what are going to be the behaviors that will make it easier for us? What will cause us stress? So go into these assessments, being true to yourself and trust that the company will use it for the best course of use, which is improving engagement. And I enhance engagement by giving you what you need, not what you think I want to hear. Hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking if I'm a sales VP listening to this podcast or head of human resources or someone in that kind of decision-making authority within an organization, and they're looking at their hiring processes, a question that might come to mind is what kind of measurable impact do your clients typically see? Are, are there any statistics or data on improvements in hiring using your system? Oh, absolutely. We're actually going to be having a podcast coming up soon with my client, Nissan, who has an incredible 
statistic study that she ran at a time when there was a turnover in HR and they stopped using PI and she didn't realize that till a coaching class came in and they didn't have the results. So she actually ran analytics to show the difference in cost of loss from a sales perspective of the profile that they'd been hiring to and the four or five people that were hired against type, we'll call it. So meaning a profile that when they're hiring externally, so from outside of Nissan coming in, they have a specific profile that they say within this range, these are the people we want to bring in Mm -hmm. because it showed, I mean, millions and millions of dollars in just a few months of the difference of percentage to quota from the profile that they'd set as top performers Mm. versus those others who were kind of a watch out or dig deeper during the process versus just looking at the resume. Mm -hmm. And then I just happened to pull some other statistics and I didn't pull specifically med device, just kind of pulled some numbers at something that had gone out from Green King pubs. Sales turnover had been reduced by 20% from where it was just a few years ago. (laughs) AutoNation morale has never been higher. 110% increase in productivity measured, more than doubled team productivity in 90 days from 600 to 1,268 hours. Another said reduction in workman's comp claims resulted in additional savings of 48,000 to 92,700. We have countless statistics around not only loyalty and turnover, but engagement scores going up. NPS scores going up. Mm-hmm. All of these are really what we focus on is not just hiring the right people, but then giving them what they need from what we call hire to retire. Mm-hmm. The right people enter the organization in the right job and they're managed appropriately the right way. And lo and behold, employee engagement is strong. Sales are strong. If it's a salesperson, uh, it's a win-win for everybody. Sounds like. Absolutely. And specifically, I'll say on the sales side, it really is about one step further where we then help the sales organization understand who they're selling to, what we call customer-focused selling. So we really ensure that not only are we looking at the behavioral makeup of the salesperson, Mm -hmm. but then helping them to understand the adaptations they need to make when they're going into a doc or going into an RN or an NP that may have a very different profile than them. And the strategy that made them a top performer with one group of people may not be the strategy we want to do with these others. So we really take it that one step further to not only hire those right people, Mm -hmm. but then ensure that they are giving, just like a manager needs to give an employee what's important to them. We teach the sales team, how do you give your customers what they need from you? Yeah. I imagine there's probably something built into your system when it's time to promote individuals into management. Mm -hmm. And maybe are you norming top managers as well? And then assessing the next crop of new new sales management recruits, norming them against your best. Is that something that your organization does too? Sure. So we will help. And again, this comes to culture fit because when people will say, well, what should be the job profile for an RSM or an RGM mm-hmm. or an ASM going into you know, area leaders? What should this look like? And a lot of time that comes down to what's the territory? Who are the people they're leading? Am I heading them into an area where they have a bunch of underperformers, kind of a bunch of slackers who've been getting away with a lot, maybe didn't, they weren't performance managed for years. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a different profile that I'm going to recommend to lead them versus a group of high performers who I just need to come in and challenge them against themselves. Mm. How do I get them hungry to be better? So the answer to that is it really depends on the culture. It depends on the area they're going into. 
Are we digging deeper into customers in the next 18 months or do we need to broaden? So that comes down to not just top profiles, but who are they leading? Where are we at in our organization? Are we a growth organization? Are we a startup? Are we stabilizing? So the answer to that is a little more in depth based on what's important, what are we going into? Mm -hmm. And of course, then we'll look at historically, maybe what some profiles we've had some headaches around and how have we learned to mitigate that? I love that nuanced distinction that you just you just shared with us about it's not only against top managers in an organization, it's also the situation that that potential new manager is going into. Absolutely. And they are markedly different. There's a PI behavioral assessment and a PI cognitive assessment. Mm-hmm. Can you distinguish for us between the two and, and how they're used differently in hiring? Sure. So the PIBA or behavioral assessment is what we give to employees, to candidates prior to being hired to really understand their four primary behavioral factors. And those factors are around dominance, which is the drive for ownership and control, extroversion, the drive for social interaction, the patience drive, which is the drive for consistency and stability. And then finally, the formality drive. What is their drive to conform to rules and structure? So the behavioral is really about the internal components of what makes us tick? What can cause frustration? How do we make decisions? So that would be the behavioral side. The cognitive, which is not to be mistaken for an IQ test. Mm -hmm. The cognitive assessment is really about how quickly someone has the capacity to learn or take on complex information. So that cognitive helps us understand if they're going into a role, let's say that doesn't have a really distinct training program, And the role is going to require them to learn fast, a lot of information that changes coming at them quickly, the ability to think on their feet in different scenarios, different situations, ever-changing. That role may require a higher cognitive demand, someone who can think on their feet quickly, who can process information faster and take more on. On the flip side, if I'm putting someone in a role that does not have a high cognitive demand, Kind of once they know the information, they've got it, it's solid, it may have a lower cognitive demand. So someone coming in on the flip side who has a cognitive score that's too high, we may have a situation where they become bored, Hmm. they become distracted Hmm. because maybe there isn't enough mental stimulation throughout the day. But really important that we push on with employers to understand is the score does not matter. Someone who has 180 does not mean that someone with a 360 is smarter. Absolutely not. It just means that person with the 180 may be incredibly bright, but takes a little more time to learn. So the benefit to knowing where they fall within range, outside of range, is if I'm a manager who I'm just accustomed to people picking it up, and if they don't get it quick, I assume they're not smart enough for this job. If I now see they have a great background, great interview, great resume, everything was hitting all cylinders, but maybe they seem to be taking a little time. If I knew the cognitive was lower, I can put in the extra time to ramp them up knowing a little extra time at the beginning is giving me a top performer in the end. Yeah, that's, that's just absolutely fantastic. And I know of organizations that could benefit immediately from implementing this. How easy is it to administer the PI for an employer? Very. The minute they are in our system, which we can have a new client up and running typically within 24 to 48 hours, and it is the click of a button. 
It truly is. We have open links that once we create a job profile, there's an open link that can go right into their applicant tracking system or right embedded into a response email. They can also go in and manually type it in if they don't want to use that. But it's very easy. Again, we can have a client up and running within 24 to 48 hours, sending out assessments within minutes of being signed in. That's fantastic. One of the things I really like is on your website, anyone can just go there right now and take the PI assessment for themselves and see what it's like. Yes. So we have a a trial. And one of the things I'd want to offer to your guests is instead of going to the Predictive Index website where you'll get trapped in a web of sales, coming straight to the PI Atlantic site mm-hmm. where everyone can take a free assessment and sample it for themselves yep. to see what that is. Just know that would be the one you want to take with you. So if you went elsewhere that first time that you take it, that's the one that you want to take with you. But heading straight to the PI Atlantic site will save you from a web of sales calls. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. How can interested employers get in touch with you and your organization? What's the best way? Sure. So pimidlantic.com, they can visit that site. There's again, that link to take the free assessment or just reaching out straight to me. So mwood at pimidlantic.com. Feel free to reach out. You know, I'd love to have a discovery call, we'll call it, to find out what the needs of your team are, Mm -hmm. what your growth opportunities are, areas that maybe have had some high turnover where we can really be of of max effort because we have several different modules. Obviously, we've focused here on the hiring, but lots of different ways to truly customize this to each organization. That's fantastic. Melanie, thank you for being on today. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity. Always fun to hear companies trying to improve their hiring skills. Absolutely. I'd love to have you back and we could talk about the other aspects that your organization focuses on as well. Sounds great, Jordan. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Chase MedSearch podcast. I hope that you gained some helpful insight from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and give us a like on your favorite streaming platform. It really helps grow our audience. For more information on Chase MedSearch, visit our website at chasemedsearch.com. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, I'm Jordan Chase, and this has been the Chase MedSearch Podcast.